0: In this series of sermons, we're slowing the Lord's Prayer down. Now, I do have a little bit of a cold, and though I've got amplification, I'm looking out here. This side of the church obviously is the side with fewer children in it, because this side of the church has gone all gaps and empty spaces. So I wonder, is it possible to get some of you guys at the back to shift a little bit forward? That's not your role. If you want to roll, that's fine. I was suggesting standing up and moving, Peter. Oh, I really do, yeah, why not? Everyone watch them stand up now. Look at this. Oh, they're so embarrassed. Give them a hand. Wonderful. And this side over here, if you can just stand in your heads and do dances. (laughs) Nonsense. Uh, Before I get started, I do just want to... Share one more prayer. I, we've got Ed visiting again. Uh, Ed and Kate used to be members here. At the moment, Ed is on PRAC. Uh, what year are you pracking? Year one. Year five. His wife nudges him and says, There's where your problem is. It's year five. <laughs> year five at Warnborough Primary, um, which is woo, but woo! as well. So we're just going to quickly pray for Ed. God, I thank you for Ed, and I just pray that you please encourage him in this prac that he's on at the moment. Lord, I pray that you would use him and bless him and just help him through the long hours and the hard work and, Lord, the difficult kids that are at that school. Thank you that he gets to, to teach them, but also thank you that he gets to be one of your people in that place please help him, Lord, give him the strength that he needs and the patience that he needs and the wherewithal that he needs uh, to see this crack out. I thank you for that. Amen. And let's pray again. And God, I thank you that I get to speak now. But Jesus, um, I don't want to be the one speaking. Father, please would you speak to me and to us. Lord, I don't deserve to speak for you. None of us do. I'm, I'm... as Mark said, we're like the disciples, we, we fall asleep. And so this morning, God, would you please speak? Would you help us to listen? Help me to speak the truth of you uh, with integrity. Lord, would you, by your spirit, do something incredible this morning? Would you break through the walls that we've set up against you? Would you break down the barriers? Would you help us to trust you, not just in word, but in in real life and in actuality? Thank you. Holy Spirit, move in our midst. You are welcome to be with us this morning, because we are opening up our church and our hearts and our lives to your movement. Father, speak, I pray, for your Son's sake and for us whom you love. Just as we are. Amen. So we've been looking the last little while at uh, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in the heavens. And we saw the heavens the start of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew makes it clear for us that the heavens is not a place far away. It's the atmosphere around us. Our Father who is so close to us, may your name be made holy. May everyone think you are just like the bestest ever. This is kind of what the uh, conference was on yesterday. God is the bestest. Jesus is the bestest. Uh, well, that's kind of how Jesus teaches us to pray and says, uh, God, may your name be hallowed. May it be revered by all. We think you're the bestest father there is, and we want everyone else to agree with us. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. May, may your rule, God, be established over this whole place of ours. Uh, God, our world is a mess. We are a mess, we think we can do it without you, but we can't. We need you, God. Please would you rule, your will, God, because if it was my will, I wouldn't do anything. We saw that even Mark read of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, I really don't want to have to face this, God, but your will be done. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, he wasn't praying pie in the sky, oh, I don't really know what it's like to pray that kind of prayers. He knew that at one point, or throughout his whole ministry, he was deciding, I will submit to the will of my heavenly Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in the place where, where you are just perfectly obeyed God. And then we come to the fourth ask in the Lord's Prayer, this, this, this one, give us today the food we need, uh, or in the old language, give us today our daily bread. It's a bit of a change in direction, up, up to now we've been focused on God, on, on the goodness of God, how incredible he is, on, <clears throat> excuse me, on his kingdom, on his will, and now Jesus turns and says to us, ask God for your daily bread. When Jesus speaks of bread, I don't think he's just meaning, you know, tip-top whole meal. I think Jesus is, is talking about the stuff that we need to survive. Jesus is saying, go to your Father and say, God, give us that which we need for our lives to continue. Jesus says bread, food, but this is about basic needs, and and, and, and notice that Jesus doesn't say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will, be, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily wants. Oh, Father, I really desire a new Tesla car. I've heard the new ones go 400 kilometers or 300. And they've got a charging station now. So could you make sure that I get one by next week, Tuesday, please? That's kind of how we pray, maybe not for a Tesla car, but we tend to go for wants. Jesus says when you go to your father, you speak to him about your daily needs, about the stuff that, that if you didn't have it, you couldn't survive. Can I just have a show of hands? Who prays before eating? Who always prays before eating? Always? Who prays before eating when they remember? Who's just getting embarrassed now and doesn't know when to put their hands up? It's good to pray before we eat. It, it's, it's saying, thank you, God, for this food. Ultimately, everything comes from our Father. He, he created everything. He, he sustains everything. It, it's His But we can forget that because we we lose sight of how actually we are entirely dependent on God. And we get a little bit of this when we come to to Jesus saying, ask God for what you need to survive. Because quite frankly, we don't think we need to ask God for what we need to survive. Most of us living in Australia have what we need to survive. There's, There's money in the bank to go and buy some food. We work hard, we we put in the effort, and so we can provide for ourselves and our families. I did it, not God. How come God gets the credit? I don't see God getting up at 5 a.m. to go and work in the middle of whoop-whoop so that I can put food on the table. I think Jesus is, is calling us to a bit of a, a reality check and saying, actually, God, give us what we need to survive because if you didn't do that, all of my hard work and all of my effort and all of my savings, that don't mean anything. There's a story in Luke chapter 12. Can we throw that up there, uh, Wayne? Thank you. Luke chapter 12, it's a story you've maybe heard of before, verse 16. Jesus is telling a story uh, to some people. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And this rich man said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Oh no, my house is so full of stuff. And all I get is more stuff because you know what? I'm, I'm pretty good. I know, I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods, and I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend. Now, you know you've got a problem when you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, my friend, my friend. Now you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy, eat, drink, be merry. That's a good man. That guy would fit in well into Western Australia 2017. Can I have an amen? It would probably fit well into most of our families. God said to him, You fool. You're going to die this very night. Then who'll get everything you've worked for? Yes, says Jesus, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God I've no doubt that the man in Jesus' story was a person who worked hard who put a lot of effort into his farm into his labors but at the end of the day there's a very interesting thing there we're told right at the start of the story that this rich man had a fertile farm why was he rich? why was he wealthy? why did his crops do well? because he was on good land And he wasn't on good land because he worked hard. He was on good land because the land was good. The one actually responsible for his wealth was the one who made the land fertile, was God. And God, after all, owns it all anyway. This man, in the story that Jesus tells, felt sure that his wealth would secure his survival. He'd be well settled into the future. And our world teaches this exact lesson. It says, if you only work hard enough, if you only put enough away, if you make sure that your super goes up and your home loan goes down, then you can face tomorrow, you can face the future with impunity. You will go well as long as you have a good bank balance. Have you ever noticed, by the way, whenever you see adverts for banks and they or their online systems, and they show you a snapshot of what, the, of, of like what the, their stuff looks like, and they show you a bank account picture in there. It's really interesting. Have a look at the figures in the bank accounts that they show. They never show bank accounts of deficits. They never show bank accounts of $300. They never show bank accounts even of like $700, Their bank accounts, if you look at the banks, their advertising stuff, they always put high figures on the bank accounts. Because that's the point, isn't it? You're meant to have lots of money stored away. Maybe I'm just the only one who who looks at pictures in that much detail, but, but I'm sure they do it on purpose. Because our world teaches us that if we only have enough, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We have established ourselves. We are settled. We're in charge. Depending on what stage in life you are, we've got enough to provide for the family. Or we've got enough to make sure that they get through university and then kick them out of the house. Or even kick them out beforehand, depending on what sort of family you are. Or perhaps you're getting on in life and you're going, well, I've got enough that I will survive. I'm going to be able to do the kind of things I want to do. I'm going to have the life that I want. Because I have made the effort. Now, I don't know, maybe none of you ever think like that. I sincerely doubt that, though. Because I know that this is a temptation for me to think like this. And there's a little bit of truth in that. If you work hard, if you salt enough away, if you, if you just get enough money and wealth and resources, your life can be pretty comfortable. And the problem is, is that, that it works. It actually works. If you want to retire with ease, work hard, put lots away, get your super up and get your home loan down. But, but here's the problem. We aren't actually in charge. This man in Jesus' story, he was sitting back. He says, Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back. I'm going to have bigger barns. I'm going to have room for everything. People are going to just be like, Whoa, who's that man who's got those massive granaries there? And everyone will be like, Yeah, that's Joe. Joe's fantastic. He's like the wealthiest guy in the neighborhood. He's got it made. And the guy's sitting back, he's eating, he's drinking, he's being merry, he's throwing parties, he's popular, he's just the best bloke in town. And God turns to him and says, man, you're so secure. You think, actually you don't realize that this very night uh, your soul's going to be demanded of you. You're going to die. And then what good is having big barns going to do you? It's not like the angel of death comes and and, and he's about to swing the sickle. I know I'm mixing metaphors there. And you say, No, 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 no! Check my bank balance, it's okay. You can't pay God off. We can't pay God off, we're not in charge. God is in charge. We might, like that man, die at any time. We might walk in front of a bus. Or we might get cancer. Or we might get Alzheimer's. Or we might get fired from our job. Anything could happen. The the, the stuff that we think gives us security cannot be relied on to give us security. If you find your security from your spouse... I hate to break it to you, but that's a terrible place to find your security because they're broken humans. They might break and die, or they might break and just hurt your heart. If you find your security in your family, what are you going to do if something happens to your family? There is nothing in this world where we can place our security in and find ourselves safe. I don't think Jesus is against us preparing for the future. Please don't hear me wrong in this. I don't think Jesus says you're not allowed to have super. I don't think Jesus says you're not allowed to plan for tomorrow or plan for a holiday in three weeks' time. Three days' time. Well, the real sinner's plan for three days. I don't think Jesus is saying that. In fact... 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Can we throw that up there? Paul's writing to the Thessalonians and he says this very interesting line. He says, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. God is not against working. If anything, he's against laziness. I do think, though, that God is against us placing our security in our stuff. Because everything ultimately comes from God. And so Jesus says, pray to your Father, Father, give us today our daily bread. Because at the end of the day, I don't actually have control over it. You could have a bank robber break into your computer and steal all your money, and then what are you going to do? You could have somebody while you're in church this morning go through your house and empty it. And now everyone's sitting in there going, did I lock the front door? Yeah. Your little guard dogs, Debbie, are lovely little dogs. But they will just lick anyone who comes into their house. (laughs) You know what, we've got no security in this life other than God. Jesus says, Give us our daily bread. It reminds you or reminds me of, of what happened to the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt into the promised land. They 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 were rather silly people, and they took the long way around, forty years, to get from Egypt to Israel. If you look at a map this afternoon, it's not that far. God made them walk that way because of their rebellion against him. And, and they were hungry on the road. It's, it's not exactly lush, evergreen country. It's, it's desert country. And on the road, they complain and they grumble. And so God does something amazing for them. He provides this thing, this food, this bread, which uh, I love the name they give it. They call it, What Is It? Otherwise known as manna. Um, and it's a miraculous food. It's, it's unique, but... One of the things that God says to them uh, in Exodus chapter 16 is you're not to stockpile it. You pick up for today what you're going to eat for today, and you pick up tomorrow what you're going to eat for tomorrow. Uh, The only exception to this, on the Friday, so the day before the holy day, you're allowed to pick up twice as much because, you know what, on on the holy day you're going to rest and just trust me for this. In fact, trust me. And so this works and people are amazed. It's like, wow, what is it? And they pick it up and they eat it. And and there's a few people in, in, in Israel who go, wow, man. I was hungry yesterday. Better, better make sure I get enough of this. And so they pick up a little bit more. Exodus says uh, those who got, got enough. And those who got a lot, got enough. And those who got little, got enough for their family. But there were some who stored some up and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to throw away the stuff that I haven't eaten today. I'm going to keep it for tomorrow. Maybe I don't have to work tomorrow. Or maybe I can get extra and, you know what, be the, be the manna king um, to the manna born, or something like that. And so they do. And they store it up and and lo and behold, the next day, what do you find? You find worms and stinky. It's gone rotten. Oh. No, trust me for this every day. And there's a few. Friday comes and they go out and they, they pick it up and, and, um, and they eat and, and, and that's all fine. And the next day, a few of them go, well, I learned my lesson last time. We're not supposed to keep this stuff. Better go out on Saturday. Better go and pick up the food for today. What a schlep. And they go out and they're looking around and they can't find any manna. And God's response is like, what? Come on. In fact, have we got it there? Uh, Verse uh, verse 27, if we could wait, just the next one down perfect. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. And the Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and my instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That's why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there'll be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Don't go out to pick up food on the seventh day. And so the people didn't go out to gather food on the seventh day. God's like, come on, people. Are you going to trust me at any point? Are you going to actually do what I say? Look, on on, on the days when I said go and pick up, did you go and pick up? Yes. And on the Sabbath, are you going to trust me that I provided enough for you on that day? No. Yes. Jesus is saying exactly the same thing. He says, God, give us our daily bread. The problem is, is that we get all the stuff that God gives us and we think it's ours now and we got to stockpile it and get ready for tomorrow because, you know what, maybe God's not going to come through tomorrow. Of course, we can fall into the opposite error of going, well, God doesn't want me to, to actually do anything, so I'm just going to sit and wait for God to do His business. When we're actually God has said, actually, what I want you to do is this or that. Why didn't God let them gather a a stockpile? There's a miracle in there that you might not have picked up on. On Monday, when they picked up more than they needed, it went rotten and stanketh. On Friday, when they picked up more than they needed for the Friday, it was fine. There was no reason physically why they couldn't stockpile God could have set it up that said, you know, you collect and then and then you've got it ready for when you need it and you're in charge of this. But I think God actually wanted the Israelites in those 40 years in the desert to realize how dependent on him they were. And to realize how dependable God is. Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's not on the screen. God God speaks to the Israelites and he says to them, basically, I, I want you to keep obeying me lest you go into this land that I've led you to, this promised land, and your bellies are full and you're settled in your country and you've got your homes of your own and you feel powerful and strong and you go, I did this. I did this myself. And God actually says to them, actually your power to gain your wealth That's come from me. In Jesus' day, uh, if you were a typical day laborer, (coughs) you would get paid a wage for the day. And I'm told that the wage you would get paid would be pretty close to what you needed to buy your bread for that day. As in, you, you didn't have much of a savings program going If sickness comes to you or drought or famine, you're in trouble. When Jesus told this, this prayer to the people listening, they would have got what he was saying. Our Father who loves us, give us what we need because we know what it's like to not feel secure. And although we work really hard, we, we don't have a security in that. And we know that if you don't look after us, we're in trouble. Even if you and I feel secure right now, and maybe you feel secure, maybe you're sitting here going, man, I get what Jesus is talking about. Even if we feel secure, though, we've got to foster this attitude of dependence on Jesus. Jesus. There was a house on Yanry Street this week, burnt down. Uh, the couple that moved in there, they had been in that house two weeks. At any moment, that could happen. We could lose our jobs. The government could turn around and say, "We've run out of money. there's no more pension." Anything could happen. There is no security in this life except for our Father who loves us. And we don't have to ask what we need for tomorrow. And we don't have to ask what we need for next week. And it's not wrong to plan for that and to work towards that, but but it's wrong to rely on that. But You know, just because we've got something in our hands today doesn't mean we will tomorrow. But today, and remember, God is in eternity, so he always lives in today. Today, God has everything that we need, and we have God. And so we're okay. Has anyone here ever climbed Everest? Anyone here ever want to climb Everest? I'd love to climb Everest one day. Bluff Knoll, yeah, not going to quite work for my illustration. If you go Everest, you get some Sherpas. The Sherpas are the experts. They know the mountain. They will carry your stuff for you up the mountain. If you're going to have a sandwich halfway up, they're going to carry it for you. They're probably going to carry more than a sandwich because you're going to be dog-tired. They're going to carry all of your supplies. How stupid would it be to go and say, yep... I've done Bluff Knoll, I'm going to do Mount Everest now, and I'm going to take all my own stuff. Tent on the back, food on this side, got a cup of Coke on the back there, I'm set. I've planned this, I've got a spare Coke in the backpack. That's good. Even if you have planned everything and you have all your own supplies and it's the good supplies and it's the right supplies, if you try and do it by yourself as a Westerner, you're going to get halfway up the mountain, not only half-breathing, passing out from asphyxia, or hypoxia rather. You're going to have all your stuff, and it's going to be useless to you. You need the experts to carry your supplies, otherwise you're never going to get to the top. Ever. By the way, you need more than supplies. You, you need some help. And that's a whole other sermon about the Holy Spirit right there. So uh, save that one up for later. But here's the point. Just because we've got all our supplies for tomorrow or the next week doesn't mean that we're actually going to be able to put them to use. What we need is to be with God who's got all the supplies. Our Father, that as we go up to Base Camp 1, we say, can we have what we need for today? And he says, of course, I've got it all here for you. And the next day we say, gosh, I'm so glad I'm not having to carry that stuff myself. I can barely carry myself. Can I have what I need for today? Of course. I love you. Next day, next day, next day, next day. That's what God does. That's, that's what he wants us to do is say, God, I can't carry it by myself. And even if I try, I realize there's a hole in my backpack. God is reliable and God is dependable but I do want to finish on this what about those who pray the Lord's Prayer and still starve or freeze because they don't have warm clothes or die of lack of water God doesn't provide miraculous manner or even jumpers to all needy Christians. Sometimes Christians pray this prayer and they go hungry and they starve. So why pray it at all? God, our Father, is more concerned with our needs than we are. Your children have needs if you have children. I'm hoping that you're more concerned about putting breakfast on their plates tomorrow than they are. How sad it would be if you found them stockpiling little sachets of porridge because they're not sure whether you're going to come through with breakfast tomorrow. God cares for us, He's got all the resources. He cares more for us than anyone else. And one day when He returns, there will be no more hunger, there will be no more needs. But what about now? What about those who feel forced to stockpile because they've prayed this prayer and they've gone hungry or seen their child die? I don't pretend to have all the answers here, but, but I do notice one thing about Jesus' prayer. In fact, it's about Jesus' prayer all the way through here. He teaches us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. This isn't just about me. This is about our needs. This is about our brothers and our sisters. When we pray for, for God to meet the needs of his people. Can you and I really then ignore them? If we're the ones in need, God wants us to pray for his provision, but, but I also wonder whether God invites us to pray so that we can be part of his provision to someone else. Don't get me wrong, God can miraculously intervene and provide manna where he wants to. But you and I are his representatives here on earth. God has come in Jesus, he has changed everything, He's brought about his kingdom and he has said, I am sending ambassadors out who are going to represent me and my kingdom and they are going to be my people and if you are a believer in Jesus, that is you. Oh, Father, would you meet all of their needs? Because I'm not going to. I don't really care about them. 1 John chapter 4 says, You can't love God and not be concerned about your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you say, I love God, but you don't love your brothers and sisters, you're a liar. John doesn't pull his punches. And don't, don't get me wrong. God's the one who answers prayers. But, but don't forget that he, more often than not, chooses to answer them through his authorized agents. Way back in Genesis, chapter 15, God went to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. The whole world is going to be blessed through you. Through you, Abraham. God could have done it directly, but he said, no, I'm going to do it through you. And he still says to us, yes, pray. Ask me. Ask me to meet the needs of of this world. Ask me to meet the needs of the people in the pews around you, of the people who are calling out desperately for need. And I'm going to say, yes, I want to meet those needs. Will you do it? I've told you the story before. Many years ago now, I, I went up to a I think it was a uh, global interaction conference up in the city, Netherlands, and I drove up there, and my bank balance was, let's just say it wasn't appropriate for a bank advertising footage shot. Um, there was nothing in there. I had enough petrol to get up there. I had enough petrol to get maybe a quarter of the way back. Some of you are sitting there going, idiot, why did you go up? It's a long way to push a car. Also, at that I don't even know if I knew that he was going to be there, but, but my father was at this conference as well, and, and, and I just said, Look, I've got this situation where I've got no petrol. They gave me $10 or $20, whatever it is, I had petrol, I got home. Isn't that wonderful? Does God provide? Yes. Who's to thank for that? My earthly father is to thank for that. But so is my heavenly father. Sometimes we don't We don't ask because we're ashamed. Sometimes Sometimes God answers even though we haven't said anything to anyone else. I haven't been in that much need. But I I come from a family where we grew up and and my parents were were in mission, TV ministries. And I've heard stories of (coughs) there being a need for medicine in the house. And people providing exactly the right amount of money for that medicine at exactly the right time. Because God had somehow been saying to them, you should go and do this. We need to be listening to God. One of the reasons we need to slow down when we say the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily breads. We need to actually stop and just shut up there for a minute and go, yes, God, I've got my shopping list. But do you want to say anything to me? Is there somebody that I should be helping out here? That I should be giving something towards? Jesus has spoken just prior to the Lord's prayer in Matthew about giving to those in need and he says do it do it quietly don't don't even do it so that you remember that you've done it. And he speaks about giving because that's what God's people do. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus is is speaking about the return and and what happens when when he's judging and there are sheep and goats. And, and Jesus looks at some of these and he says, you know what? When I was hungry, you gave me some food. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And When I was in jail, you came and visited me. And when I was naked, you gave me some clothing. When I was in need, you looked after me. Come, share, share my glory with me. Welcome. Thank you so much for doing that for me. That, that was really, really wow, that meant so much to me that you'd do that for me. These people look at Jesus and they go, well, I don't know. I don't remember doing any of that, God. When did we see you naked or thirsty or hungry or any of that stuff? And Jesus looks back at them in the parable and he says, I'll tell you the truth. that The times you did it to the least of my brothers and sisters, to the least of these... You're doing it for me. It's not that they set out and said, well, I'm going to do this because I have to, because I love Jesus. And so. They just saw the need and they did it. Maybe part of our praying, our Father, give us this day our daily bread, is that we would recognize our need for Jesus but also start to see where we can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you secure in your stuff? Can I get the bank around to do a photo shoot of your accounts? hey, even if your accounts have got $100 in there, you're doing well. Have you got it sorted out? You got it figured out? You got it balanced? I'm happy for you, but if that's the case, then we've got to stop. We've got to stop saying, God, give us what we need. Because our actions are really saying, God, I've got this sorted. I'll call on you if I need you. Jesus says, pray to your Father, God, give us what we need because it comes from you. Maybe the reason you got it all sorted right now is not so that you can go on a holiday. I'm just picking on holiday because it comes easily. I'm not saying don't go on holidays. But maybe, maybe at some point, God's going to just whisper in your ear in that irritating way that he sometimes has and says, I know you were planning something with this. I know you had ideas. But I've got a child over there who's struggling right now. Could you be my answer to their prayer? Could you? Our Father who loves us more than we can imagine and who has, who has all of our supplies. <laughs> sometimes, we, sometimes we think that we've got it all sorted. We, we can survive without you, at okay. least for a while. But that's not true. We need you every moment of every day. Lord, we're tempted to try and be self-sufficient. that That's thats the temptation of sin, God. To think that we can make it without you, that we can find security without you. We're sorry. Father, would you supply us with what we need? Thank you that you're gracious and sometimes give us more than we need. And Father, thank you that you're good and you, don't, you want us to enjoy life. but Father, help us to also be open to hear you when you whisper to us to be the answer to this prayer. You can do anything, God. But we don't want to be the reason that this prayer is unanswered because we've refused to listen to you. God you are good you are gracious and kind and loving and you have more than met our needs you meet our spiritual needs and you care about our physical needs Father give us what we need today and let us be content Amen Mr. McKinn
1: you may. You might remember about 18 months ago, I mentioned a friend of mine, Ken Elliott, who'd been kidnapped, who'd been kidnapped by Al Qaeda in Burkina Faso. If you read the. Baptist paper that came last week it contained some brilliant news when the new French president was visiting Mali which is the state alongside Burkina Faso he was presented with a video of the six kidnapped missionaries including Ken still alive that's a start please keep praying Ken is 81 he has worked in Burkina Faso for 45 years on his own as a surgeon on the sub-Saharan border, hurting nobody. But somebody needed him for a political statement. His wife was released, and we've heard nothing about him for 15 months. This is great news. I hadn't heard it from people we knew, but it was in the paper, so the Baptist paper, so it's probably true. So, please keep praying for Ken, Ken that he may be, re- be released. Mm. I'd appreciate it.
0: Why don't we do that right now? Why don't we just all stand up? And I know how we face doesn't matter, but let's face towards Africa, which is that direction. <laughs> I think. And we'll just. How about we just face anyway? <clears throat> let's pray. God, thank you for this news about Ken. God, he needs to be free. God, he needs to be free. And together as a church, we come and we say, thank you for this news, but please set him and the other five missionaries free. Lord, we pray for those people that have kidnapped him, that they would have done a stupid thing by getting your people into their midst. We pray that they would be saved, God. We pray for strength for those missionaries. We pray for your spirit to encourage them right now where they are. God, we pray that they would be a witness even to their tortures. Lord Jesus, save them and save the Kino Faso and save, save that place and bring them home. Thank you that you're with them. But Lord, we know that when John the Baptist was in jail, he went through some seriously dark times. And and we know that it's quite possible that these six are going through the same things. So as a church, God, we pray that you would just hold them up. We are holding them up to you. In their darkness, we lift them up. Save Jesus. Amen. You might as well keep standing, people. Keep standing. Stand up. Hold it. <laughs> I've got to move this back now. Comfort zone not. Um As we sing this. 10,000 reasons. I can add several more. But I would encourage you, if you haven't accepted Christ into your life and you're thinking of doing it tomorrow, don't do it today. We may not have tomorrow. 10,000 reasons.